comes to actions, antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. Today, we're going to talk about mental health. And I know I talk about mental health quite a bit, but I think it's a topic that deserves a lot of discussion because it's kind of integral to a lot of different aspects of our lives. And it's a very important component to our lives outcome. It's an umbrella term that encompasses many different situations, fears, tragedies, as well as states of mind. And one of the things that's interesting is as we become more aware of mental health, its presence, its importance to our lives outcomes, more and more people are taking on mental health as their cause, as their idea of what they want to do with their lives. My guest today, Kelly Hansen, is the founder of a mental health organization called BCC Evolution. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate you having me here today. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and taking time to join us on Actions Antidotes. And the first thing I want to do is get our audience oriented to BCC Evolution, what your approach to mental health is, what aspect of the mental health challenge is so broad that you are solving and what inspired you to get started on it. Absolutely. My favorite subject. (laughs) (laughs) So I founded BCC Evolution in 2018 after I lost my middle sister to a completed suicide in 2017. And I really just knew that I didn't want to sit around and do nothing. And at that time, I was working with another organization that really focused on the adolescent aspect. And I was really hyper-focused on the suicide prevention, but over the years, as I've gained more knowledge and had more collaborations, I've found that really mental health is the root cause of what leads people to complete the act of suicide, whether it be a moment or a lifetime of some sort of mental health challenge is really why people complete the act. And if we can get to that root cause and start doing the education, bring more awareness, start having these hard conversations like you and I are having, and really breaking down that stigma, that's how we're going to start saving lives. And so BCC Evolution really fit in the pre-crisis space, more of the education, learning how to identify signs, knowing the symptoms, How do we actually talk to somebody when they come to me and they're like, I'm suicidal or I'm having this mental health challenge. And instead of locking up like a deer in headlights, you actually have some tangible ways that you can talk or communicate and potentially save their lives. And so that's what BCC Evolution is all about is the awareness, the conversation and the education. Suicide hotlines that at the moment of crisis prevention have been around for a while. I know it was about four years ago, 2017, when the rapper Logic wrote that song with the title of the Suicide Prevention Hotline number. But with education and with tackling these underlying, not only it seems like, at least to me, not only do you have a chance to save the person's life, but you also have a chance to make that person's life better because it's not just like we kept you alive, but we're also addressing this underlying root problem that's deeper within. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the more that I've had to have the conversation with people and the more that I've had people come to me asking me questions about like how they talk to other people, the more it even makes me a better person, not just being able to help them, which is 
the ultimate goal, but also helping myself understanding how do I actually communicate with people? And yeah, definitely, like you said, the suicide hotlines, all those hotlines are around for a great reason. But when you get into maybe the real life or maybe you're not in a crisis situation yet, how do we have that conversation with people? Nobody wants to talk about it. I don't want to burden anybody. I don't want anybody to think bad about me. Right. So, like, how do we start breaking down that stigma? And it's okay to talk about whatever your feelings are. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be happy. All of the emotions, it's okay to have all of them. So, why not just allow people to be people? And we'd go to the doctor for a broken arm. Right. But we won't go to the doctor for our potential broken mindset. Right. So, how do we start getting people to shift that thought process of, just because you can't physically see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. I often talk about if a trend's encouraging or if it's disturbing or disencouraging. One encouraging trend is when I talk about the difference between baby boomers and millennials is that amongst millennials and Gen Z as well, going to a therapist is far more normalized. It's, I guess, viewed less as a failure on the part of the person seeking therapy. And it's more of a normal thing to do. Do you think that that component of it needs to go even further? Or do you see that as like an encouraging trend that has already given people at least access to therapy? Obviously, there's more when it comes to talking about mental health beyond just your once every two week appointment that you pay for. But when it comes to seeking therapy, say way before you become suicidal, or even with nothing to do with suicide, just how you're feeling about your life day to day. Do you think that that is fully normalized yet? Or do you think there's still a lot of stigma around it in a lot of communities? I actually don't think it's normalized at all because just because I know that most people that I talk with, it's the hardest for them to even ask for help because a lot of times we actually don't know what's going on anyways. Like we have all these emotions, we have all these hormones, maybe all these different changes in our bodies, and we're not exactly sure what's going on. And so trying to figure out all of those things, and then being like, Oh, wow, I need to ask for help. But most people what they do is instead of asking for help, they will just kind of sit in whatever's happening. And it's still a challenge even today in the millions, I feel like the groups that I'm in, getting people to have conversations about their feelings or just get into that like deep conversation versus the surface level. And I know in the mental health world, it is very inundated. So actually getting into a therapist or into a counselor, there's waiting lists. And that for me, I feel like is not okay because really the space that we lose the most people to suicide is from when they go to maybe their general doctor and they're diagnosed to when they can actually get professional help. And so like, how do we kind of fit that gap with everyday people that understand and can have these tough conversations without having that stigma centered around it? So like you said, even more normalizing the conversations. And that's really what I'm trying to do with my nonprofit in general. So you're trying to make it so. And one of the things that furthers the problem along is that I feel like our culture has a way of amplifying the ups and downs in people's lives. When someone's doing well, 
Everyone wants to be around them. Everyone wants to come out. Everyone wants to do that. And when someone's not doing well, and for one reason or another, they become a tougher person to be around. And the more shallow fake friends, if you want to call it that, kind of slip away, go by the wayside, and that makes the problem a little bit tougher. It makes it makes the problem worse because you don't have that person to talk to. So you're going about finding a way to when someone is slipping, say, okay, we're going to notice this person is slipping. And before they go into the spiral where, okay, they've slipped a little bit. Now they're becoming a little bit ranty and people are like, oh, I don't want to be around this person anymore because they're just going to rant or wallow or however it manifests. And that cycle continues to find that cycle and kind of squash it before it happens amongst people. One of the things that I just recently actually created, it's called a self-care safety plan. So it's a safety plan and a self-care plan all together. So when you're going into those moments that you already have this list of things and I designed it in threes because a triangle, if you think about the structure of a triangle, it's the strongest structure in the world. And so if you think of things in threes, one, it's easier because then you don't have this whole list, but two, it's going to be a lot stronger. So how do you create this list or the safety plan or the self-care plan when you're at a high? And then if you're going into that low, you can like pull up this plan and be like, oh, this is a person I know I can call at any moment. These are the things that I'm grateful for. This is the people, place, wherever that I can call or talk to if I'm in a crisis situation. And so building in the skills for people to understand their own behaviors is important. But then also the kind of what you were talking about at first is our brain naturally steers away from pain and it goes towards pleasure. And so like those people that are like super energetic and always happy, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so pleasurable to me. I want to be with them. And then those people that are, as we call them, Debbie Downers or whatever you want to call them, (laughs) (laughs) those people, that's pain for us. I mean, really like that's pain for our brain. So our brain is just naturally going to avoid the things that are painful for us and go towards the pleasure. So It's just more understanding about like how our brains actually work, which I think it's cool, but I'm total nerd that way. (laughs) (laughs) And then also just understanding like we have all the resources inside of ourselves. We just have to access them when we're at those highs so that we can use them when we're at those lows. What can we do about the way we set up our our relationships, our friendships, uh, you know, our community with one another to make it so that people recognize when someone's needing help or even when you need help. Because one of the things that I sometimes struggle with is that people's cries for help don't always come out in a way that's intuitive to me, that this person needs help. It just sounds like this person has spent a little bit too much time on extremely partisan Twitter or something like that. And it's just, you know, regurgitating rants. Oftentimes in those cases, it's someone that needs mental help or at least needs someone to talk to a little bit and someone to kind of empathize with them and say, yeah, I understand your struggle. I understand why this is hard. And I understand why this seems unjust and unfair. Yeah, I think you have to think about like, so we all have our baseline. It's all how I normally function, what I normally do on a daily basis. And then 
maybe you know them well, maybe you don't know them well. It's easier, obviously, with people that you know well, because then you know kind of what their baseline is. A really great question to ask, especially in those moments of ranting is like, hey, is this that you're just wanting to get this off your chest and you're ranting and you'd like me to listen? Or do you possibly need me to help you create solutions? Or do you need me to just listen and not give advice, right? Like nobody likes anybody else's advice. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just asking that question of, hey, I hear you. And it sounds like you're really passionate about what you're talking about. Is this something that you need me to help you come up with solutions or maybe you need some help with? Or are you really just looking to rant and rave? Yeah. It's hard to ask those because you're like, oh my gosh, here they go again. And then just being in that moment of like, oh, hey, this may actually be something more. And let me just ask them two questions to see. I think the psychological term is called displacement, where instead of saying what they're really upset about, they'll displace it onto something else. And of course, displacement can be destructive because displacement has a potential to offend or even ruin some other relationships that this toolkit that you're setting up, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm just interviewing you, but <laughs> but that you're setting up, help people get out of this trap where, okay, I'm going to displace my anger onto whatever the people are telling me I should yell at about some world event and actually say, no, wait a second. I recognize that this is my unmet need and this is what I need to do to try to make it better. I think it definitely could because one of the pieces is like, what are you grateful for? What are three things that you're grateful for? And our brains literally cannot be in a state of gratitude and like anger or sadness or depression or anxiety or any of those negatives. So you can't have a negative and a positive thought simultaneously. So the list could potentially be like, oh, well, all these things in this world are happening. Uh, You've got all this talk over here. And then you look at your list and like, oh, wait, but I'm really grateful for these things. So yeah, it could definitely like start to retrain your brain to focus on the positive versus the negative aspects. I think we all get caught up in the world at moments, but what are the feelings that are coming out? And I know I've learned over time and If you had met me before my sister passed, I'm a much different person now because I have more understanding about myself and understanding of words and how that affects me. I'm much more aware of acknowledging my feelings at that moment of being like, why is this like a scarcity or something popping up in my head? Like, what is it really trying to tell me? Versus like going down that rabbit hole of like, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, or oh my gosh, like the flu is going around. Nobody wants to talk about COVID anymore. So the flu is going around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, it's all going around. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get the flu. And then instead of being like, well, why is this fear popping up into my head? So being a little bit more aware of your emotions, allowing them to come through. And then how do you change them instead of living like in the fear or whatever's happening, like how do you shift it a little bit more? And so, yeah, definitely. I mean, the list could could help in that aspect of just retraining the brain into the positives versus the negatives. Now, I had heard someone say a couple of years ago that 80% of all thoughts are negative. Do you 
agree because I've also heard people say that they don't think that's right. Do you have any sense for where we are with that particular metric? I don't know necessarily the metric. I do know that from what I understand, like you said, I've heard that we have more negative thoughts than positive. It is all based off of you and like what you're all about, right? Like, do you have this awareness about your thoughts or do you not have this awareness? And so it's always a matter of like, how do you shift your mindset and like, what are you really focused on? So I don't know statistically, but I know that I have heard, like you said, that we have more negative than positive thoughts. Yeah. In a previous episode, episode number 16, I interviewed Darren Canthal and he talked about the positive intelligence movement. I don't know if you've heard about this movement and if this is incorporated anything into this practice of being aware of your thoughts and trying to make them or make your narrative more positive. I haven't heard of that movement, but I definitely am going to go check that out. But definitely, I mean, I hear the saying all the time, like where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so whatever you're focused on, that's where your energy is going to go. So if you're constantly focused on the negative, you're going to go towards the negative. If you're constantly focused on the positive, you're going to go towards the positive. You may have those moments that come up. We all have them. I'm not perfect just because I'm a little bit more aware doesn't mean that I don't have those things creep into my brain, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I also have trained myself to like really sit with it and be like, oh, what is going on in my head? How can I shift this a little bit more towards a positive? And it's true. I had a mentor at one time tell me to do 30 days of positivity. And I did it on Facebook, but it was like every single day, I just put something on my page that I was grateful for, or that was a positive quote or whatever. And it, interestingly enough, I was like, wow, that actually works. So there's definitely something behind that for sure. And so I'm sure you've also heard the term toxic positivity. Do you see that as a threat or do you see it as, okay, occasionally have people who are insecure, they're toxically positive, but because our thoughts are so lopsided toward the negative. If you do a 30 days or 40 days of positivity, that's really only going to like get us to a better balance. And toxic positivity is just this whole other realm of human behavior out there. Definitely humans in general, we have these extremes, right? If you talk about addiction, it's because they're always searching for that security or the positive aspect or however they're trying to get like their all their brain chemicals as i call them the happy juices in their brains to release and it it's all these endorphins that give you a high and so they're really looking for that satisfaction so same like the toxic positive people they're going for this high and it could be something that they're addicted to right and then you have the flip side of the ones that are in the deep depression and the ones that are always negative, they're really truly probably searching for something, something to grasp onto. So I think you have like all extremes that can be not so good for your body in general, either way you go. Yeah. I think of the toxic positivity and I always think of like the most extreme scenario where someone's like a tornado just destroyed my home. And then someone will be like, well, that's a new challenge for you to figure out how to build a new home and you can learn so much. It's like, okay, well, hopefully you don't 
get attacked by a bear or something while you're you're just exposed out there? Or what does it come to when people have a lot of negative things going on? What's the right balance between this toxic positivity, which could get into the realm of avoidance, and people talk about having to actually sit in it or having to actually ponder it, not avoid it, but also avoiding the trap where you wallow or rant for so long that, like you said, your energy is going to flow toward, I'm not doing well in life. And so I'm angry at these successful people or some of these other self-destructive thought processes that we see quite a bit. I actually, I call that the Eeyore syndrome. It's the, I hate everybody. Nobody likes me. I'm going to go eat worms. (laughs) That one. (laughs) Yeah. I think that life is all about balance, right? Like we have the extremes, we have of both sides, the positive and the negative. And I think that it's finding what works for you. And to be honest, when I think about like toxic positivity, what pops into my head is it's possibly, at least in the scenario that you gave is, it's possibly just their way of thinking in the aspect of, Hey, you know, your house just got demolished by a tornado, but let's look at the sunshine. And it's just all about how we react to situations too, and how we look for the good in the bad. And whatever comes up for me, like when I think about that is what is it within myself that is causing me to get flustered or upset with this person that's like, shining rays of sunshine and or flip side of like, what is it within me that's getting upset at this person being so negative? And so I reflect it back to myself of there's probably some sort of imbalance in my body or my thought process as to why I'm annoyed, which that's the feeling that comes out for me, that I'm annoyed by this person who is extreme either way. And so I think it's the understanding of ourselves. And maybe that's just their reality. And that's okay, because we all have our own roadmap, we all have our own reality. And we really can't understand somebody else's model of the world. But we can understand our own. And so I think extremes either way, can be harmful to people. So how do we find that balance? Hmm. There's a lot of books that you can read, a lot of tools that you can use, but also just finding or figuring out like what's going on with ourselves when maybe the emotions of annoyed or whatever comes up. So one of the things that comes to my mind when we talk about how we react to people, and you know, a lot of your business is about how we react to others, is the phrase, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around. And the implications of that phrase, which being that people's attitudes, people's thought processes, what people do rub off on you. If you are always around alcoholics, you'll probably become an alcoholic. If you're always around successful people, you'll probably become successful. What is the best way to balance being there for people that really need help? The person that maybe they're being toxically positive, or maybe they're being toxically negative and everything's someone else's fault. Everything's that successful person's fault. And also protecting your own mental health and saying that I still need to mostly be around a more positive message or around people that are going to spread a more positive message. 
That is huge because I find this even in myself, being in the mental health world on a daily basis can be very challenging. And I, in a way, am an empath. So I absorb like energies. And so when I'm around really, really negative people, like I get really, really drained. And that's why I try to shift it more towards the positive. And then when I'm with like really energetic, positive people, I mean, it just like I have more of an extroverted energy about myself. And so, I mean, with the balance and trying to remind myself, especially being in this world, because it can be really hard to talk about. It can also be really hard with people constantly coming to me about their challenges or their family's challenges. And I specialize in trauma, mental health, depression, and anxiety. And so I have to remind myself more often than not to take care of myself. And that could be because I have the extroverting energy as being with people. So being with my friends, my family, I love hugs. I like touching. So I know the things that are beneficial to my soul. And so it's really reminding yourself, you have to take care of yourself first. You cannot help anybody else if you can't help yourself first. And that's what I constantly have to remind myself is, and for anybody listening too, is if you're not in a place to help somebody, do not try to help them. Ask somebody else to help. Go find a professional because... If you're not okay yourself, then helping them actually won't help them. (laughs) Yeah, you'll both get worse. Yes. And take care of yourself first and foremost, because if your cup isn't full, then you're not going to be able to help fill anybody else's cup. And that's an important point. It was great to kind of really hone that in. You do have to fill up your cup. And I know a lot of people talk about being aware of what activities fill up your cup and what activities drain your cup and knowing where you are. I don't know if there's a way to like describe your mental health, like on a scale of zero to a hundred and having the idea that if you're below 75, for example, you're not in a place to help someone right now. And if someone does start going on their Eeyores, as you put it, you say, okay, look, you're struggling and I want to be there for you, but I'm not in a place to do it. Maybe there's someone else around I have a couple of questions as an extrovert myself, and it feels like lately a lot more emphasis has been placed on introverts when you hear our discourse right now. I had a couple of theories I wanted to quickly run by you to see if you had any other thoughts about this, because one thing occurred to me as I was talking with people at events where people talking about the difference between extroverts and introverts is that even the most extroverted person ever needs alone time. And even the most introverted person ever needs interaction with others, which I think the pandemic we no longer want to discuss highlighted for a lot of people. The theory I came up with is that there are certain discussions with people that are energizing. Even the most extroverted person ever has discussions that will drain them. And even the most introverted person ever will be energized by the right discussion. And the real difference between an introvert and an extrovert is where that bar is. And for an introvert, the bar is really high. It has to be a really engaging, really on point discussion for them to be energized by it. And for an extrovert, they're energized by most discussions, except for the really, really wallowy, depressing ones. 
Yeah. I think of it as an energy and that's what I've learned over time is it's more of an energy verse. Like we kind of label ourselves in society more often than not. What is your energy? And I think that we all have both energies. And like you said, that you said it perfect is that at times, sometimes the introversion energy, you need that energy to balance like the extroverted energy. And so there's a balance there too. And you don't have to be one or the other. We have both energies in our body. It's just in certain situations, you may be showing like the extroverted energy more or the introverted energy more. So it just depends on certain situations or whatever's happening at that moment. So (laughs) we can go both ways, either way. And it's just an energy that you have within your body. It doesn't actually label you one way or the other. Well, one of the interesting things is that we're all looking for alignment in some capacity or another. And maybe the case is that someone who's showing introvert energy could possibly be showing it because their life is out of alignment and they're getting more of one thing versus another. They're getting more pestered by people. I'm thinking of people who are maybe people who are parents and you know their kids are always talking to them. And they're just like, I just need some peace and quiet versus what I think is an even bigger issue right now. A lot of people that are showing these extroverted energies is because we do live in somewhat of a lonely era. We've replaced so many in-person interactions with online, with the screen of some kind. And people who are focusing on the extroversion are more saying, my life is out of alignment. I need more time with people and less time alone. Yeah. We definitely are seeing that more now because as a mammal and as a human, we really are not built to be isolated. And so we need that physical touch or the energy from other people. Even the people that say that they're like full introverts, they are finding that they need that connection because that's what our life, our body, mammals, everything are it's all about connection and how do you get that from other people? So yeah, definitely. And I've hosted other guests here that have had community development type of pursuits. And this is something that's really important to me. Do you see more and more people starting to try to build, I don't want to say infrastructure, but build some form of community to combat how isolating many of our modern customs have become? Definitely. I know that every single person that adds me on Facebook, I swear they have a group. They have something something they want me to be a part of. And I have also found that as much as we say people may be sick of like the Zoom calls or the online things, it's still a way of connecting and having or finding your tribe, finding people that do light you up or people that give you that energy, I think is really important. So yeah, there's so many more groups, so many more masterminds, so many more, all these things that you can do networking. And some of it's via Zoom and some of it's in person. We're getting a good mix. And like all the online stuff, I'm sure it's a great way of connecting with people who live far away, people who live in a whole nother city, 
I know the first thing I did when the pandemic hit was just set up a lot of Zoom calls with people who lived elsewhere. I was like, well, you know, we're not supposed to leave the house. So the person a mile away and the person a thousand miles away are just as accessible, the same click of a button. So might as well start connecting with people. Whenever I think about mental health and some of the innovation in mental health, I think of these somewhat conflicting trends in the sense that I feel like mental health and mental health struggles is becoming more awareness of it. Some pop singers are starting to write songs. At least in some places, people are more likely to go see a therapist for some of their struggles. Yet at the same time, it still feels like many of our mental health issues are actually still getting worse at this point in time. What do you see happening in this trend? And what do you you see it continuing to get worse? Do you see people more innovation? Do you see the field shifting to a little bit more of this longer term preventative aspect that you're talking about as opposed to just uh, put out the fire that we've done before? It is getting worse. I'll tell you that. I mean, like what we were just talking about is through being isolated, people are, are having more worry, more depression, more anxiety than ever, ever before. And it all boils down to that connection, the interaction, the fear. It's all fear-based. And so now, yes, it is getting worse. My grant team just came with a bunch of stats the other day. And suicide is now the first leading cause of death for ages 10 to 14, which really blows my mind because our future is dying by their own hands. And They have higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of worry, higher rates of depression. I think that companies are starting to acknowledge this is happening, which is incredible. It's just that we are reactive at this point. We have not been proactive other than there are several companies that have been. But at this point, they're just reacting to now what is happening. And if we can get companies on board, if we can get schools on board, if we can get, like you said, the world on board, it's cool that I've done a bunch of podcasts in the UK, like you click away. Now we can all be one. We can all be a world together that must make this shift of schools, companies, people, everyone in general, like mental health facilities, everybody is being more proactive versus the reactive. But right now they're just trying to catch up which is really, really hard, especially the mental health world is so inundated right now. There's not enough professionals to handle what is happening currently. And I actually just spoke to one of the school districts in Aurora, and they are having a much higher rate of their teachers needing to use like the mental health health EAP. And luckily they have it, but the requests are beyond what they can even fill at this point. So. It's getting worse, but I am hoping that it starts to trend into the better versus the worse. When I looked at your website, which by the way, um, bccevolution.com or .org, if my listeners want to check it out. Yeah, bccevolution.org. If you do .com, it'll go there too. So either one oh, works. That's why yeah. I got <laughs> I just I typed in .com and it just yep. redirected me. So, so yeah, I guess you can type in either. But when I looked at your website... And I looked at all the stats you put in. The one that stuck with me the most was toward the end, I think, where you said five out of five people have mental health. And when I read that, it said to me, it's like your physical health. Like when you're in okay health and you want to get better, you 
take up more cycling or more yoga or something like that. And so I'm guessing you see this kind of as something that we should always be looking to improve. Yeah. I feel like everybody's like, mental health is a dirty word. Don't talk about it. But we all have mental health. I mean, mental health is just our mind. It's our brain. It's our body, our physiology, like all about us. That's what our mental health is. And so it's not a dirty word and it's not something that you're going to catch. We all have it. (laughs) Five and five of us have mental health. Not all of us have mental health challenges or illnesses, but we do all have mental health. So just having the conversations and bringing the awareness and going to the doctor, if you're not feeling like you're at your baseline, if you're above or below your baseline, like have the conversation. It's not going to hurt to just have that conversation and or talk to somebody that you trust and see if you can work through what's going on. Yeah. It reminds me of my original field was in weather. And if it's 72 degrees and sunny out, you still have weather. You just have some really good weather that's not going to present any challenges for anyone and you could do whatever you want. But that still is weather. And it's still weather that can change tomorrow. And those of us that live in Colorado know how quickly it can change because Wednesday night, I went to the Botanical Gardens Blossom of Lights and it was pretty cold that night. But now it's really nice once again. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great way to explain it. I mean, it's always going to be weather. It's just going to (laughs) change. Yeah. And so for our listeners out there, first of all, I know you're always looking for people, the volunteers, people who are willing to help. So if anyone is interested, would they contact you through that website that I just stated? Or is there a better method? The best way is through the website. There's an email on there. I mean, we're on all the social medias. So again, it's bccevolution.org or .com. We'll get you there too. Or we're on all the socials. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. There is TikTok, not very much content, but we're on there. (laughs) (laughs) I can picture some good mental health TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So definitely, I mean, anywhere you can find us, really, it's all BCC Evolution. And if you're in that place that you just need to reach out to somebody, maybe you don't have that one person that you feel like you can talk to, reach out to us. To wrap this up, any listener out there, if you're in poor mental health, I'm going to use these broad crude categories. So if you're in poor mental health, reach out to you and get the resources you need to have to have help or find the person you need to reach out to. If you're in good mental health, that's developing that plan. If someone's somewhere in that murky middle ground where it's like, okay, like I'm not suicidal or dealing with schizophrenia or anything like that, but I'm also not like jubilant and joyous and I still have my problems, that middle ground, what is something that you would recommend this group of listeners start doing now to improve that situation? On our website, we do have some great resources just because you're not like the extremes, like you said. I mean, BCC Evolution fits in all of those categories. We do have a YouTube channel that there's a lot of how to's on there. I have like my seven strategies that I do for mental wellness, and that can be utilized by anybody at any point in time. And so, again, cross the board, highs, lows, in the middle. BCC Evolution has you covered. We offer education classes and just tips and tricks to help you get through everyday life. So this just came into my head. Sorry, I was going to wrap it up. But what is one thing that you would recommend people don't do? 
if someone wants to be on a path to better mental health? Is there like an activity that you think, okay, this activity is usually pretty bad that needs to be limited? The probably the worst thing that you could do is just lay in bed all day long. Maybe there's a moment for that and being able to rest, which is fine, but getting out of bed and actually movement in your body is going to help. And I don't think there's any one specific activity other than maybe, I mean, talking about like substance abuse, I wouldn't try to cope with something else. See if you can maybe use some of the positive, like exercising, meditation, breathing, whatever it might be to get you out of that state versus looking for a substance. But I think just not moving and not doing anything, that's going to keep you stuck exactly where you're at. So move your body a little bit and you never know what you'll get out of that. And so the answer is the first word of my podcast title, action. Yes. Do something as opposed to just sitting there being stuck. Kelly, I would like to thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes. I um, really, really believe in this mission, especially the whole preventative part of it. It's not just about putting out the fire when something happens. It's something we can all think about all the time. And I would really like to encourage all those listeners out there to take care of your mental health because most of the things that people associate with success, the mindset, the ideas, the way people are driven, all require a pretty decent mental health state of mind. If you're in a bad state of mind, you're not going to see your passion project through. And the world is going to be better off when you pursue your passion project, as opposed to just going through the motions on whatever life someone else designed for you, or worse, not going through the motions anymore, which we sadly covered quite a bit in the podcast too. But the world is better off with you in the world, in good condition, and following your true passions and bringing what you want to bring into the world. And that's the message I have for everybody today on Actions Antidotes. And stay tuned for more episodes where I present more interviews with inspiring people who will have more positive, great messages and inspiration for you all. Thank you very much. 